Hello and welcome back to Equity, the TechCrunch podcast, where we unpack the numbers and the nuance behind the headlines. If you are new to the show, this is Alex. I'm the editor-in-chief of TechCrunch Plus and one of the regular Equity hosts. I want to say a big thank you to Natasha for taking over the Monday show while I was out on parental leave. It is great to be back. I have missed you all so very much. Now, this is our Monday show where we take a look back at the weekend and we take a look ahead to the week that's coming. It is February 27th, 2000. 2023, and it is time to get up to speed. Let's get it. Taking a look at the global stock market, shares are generally lower today in Asia. Over in Europe, shares are higher today, but that comes after material losses last week. So kind of good news, bad news. And the story is the same here in the US where stocks are set to start the week higher, but again, after losses last week. Sticking to just public companies, this week we will hear from Zoom, Salesforce, Workday, Duolingo, HP, Rivian, Box, Okta, Snowflake, and others. It is a busy, busy week for earnings. Now, I know you're tired of this because we've already heard from Meta and Microsoft and all those other major companies. But if you really do care about what's going on in the world of enterprise SaaS, one of the most important categories out there for startups, well, this is going to be a week filled with data. Turning the coin to crypto coins, Ayo. What's going on in the world of crypto? Well, major crypto tokens are not actually that changed in the last 24 hours. Taking a longer one-week time horizon, however, and Bitcoin and Ethereum are off 6 and 4% respectively. And here's some news to me. The NFT market is actually showing modest signs of life since I left, with OpenSea transactions on the Ethereum chain rising for yet another month in a row in February after setting a recent, I don't know, local minimum in November we've actually seen transaction volume pick up. And Blur, an upstart NFT marketplace that is benefiting from token farming traders, long story there, continues to make headlines as it attacks the larger fee landscape for NFT trading. So yes, trading is going up, but perhaps fee revenue is going down. So it's good for crypto fans and maybe bad for crypto companies and investors. And speaking about things that are bad for crypto founders and investors, well, the FTX mess continued last week as its former CEO, Sam Bankman-Fried, aka SBF, got hit with even more criminal charges. That is the story that just won't stop, and it never gets better for SBF. Before we dive into startups, an update on the troubles with the Adobe Figma deal. Now, we talked on the show a couple weeks back that the EU and the UK were looking at the deal with hard eyes. Well, news broke last week that the American government might get in on the fun and file a suit against the deal saying that it is anti-competitive. Now, three thoughts about this. One, of course it is. Adobe wants to reduce its competitive landscape and use its size and therefore ability to buy Figma to defend, well, its size and ability to buy things like Figma. Now, two, should we care that it's anti-competitive? I actually think that the answer here is yes. If we let upstart winners get eaten by their category leaders, then we will never see those leaders killed off. And tech does best when the new blood doesn't get eaten by the prior leader or, you know, this analogy is going off the rails, but you know what I'm talking about. And three, VCs won't like the deal getting killed, or at least even partially possibly killed, as it may make other M&A transactions harder to get done, which in a world of no IPOs could cut their ability to generate anything other than paper markups to zero for the foreseeable future. 
So that was kind of the bad news for startups. What's the good news? Well, there's still a lot of people putting capital into fintech. According to TechCrunch's Marianne Azevedo, you may have heard of her, Sequoia and Andreessen Horowitz are still incredibly active in the fintech space, which is good news for founders. The data she pulled is actually incredibly interesting. Sequoia backed 25 companies in fintech last year, and its top three fintech genres were capital markets, payments and payroll, and benefits, with each category representing 16% of its investments. Andreessen Horowitz, in contrast, backed 49 companies in the fintech space last year, and its top three fintech targets were payments, blockchain, and digital lending. So a little bit of overlap there. Obviously, Andreessen's a bit more into the whole crypto thing than Sequoia is. But there is so much activity still happening from even the smartest money, quote, quote, in venture into fintech. Now, I am not sure if this is brilliance or sunk cost fallacy, given how public markets have treated fintech companies lately. But you have to respect the commitment, at least. And if you're a fintech founder, that two leading firms are still so active has to be good news. Now, a few startup rounds that caught my eye over the last few days, and the first one is ProsperOps, which just closed a $72 million funding round late last week, essentially a massive vote of confidence that the startup's model, cloud cost management, is going to remain big business. Now, I agree heartily with that because everybody out there in the world wants to reduce their public cloud spend. This does not mean we're going to see a lot of companies go full Dropbox and build their own server racks, but it's not a shock that Amazon's AWS and other major public cloud providers are seeing their growth rates slow as everyone wants to save a buck. And since ProsperOps wants to help companies do that, I presume it's going to do just fine. And squeezing in just one more round, there's a company called Flock, which works in the insurtech space for commercial car fleets, and it just raised money. Now, I'm not sure if Flock has found a model that will work long term, as insurance results are a bit harder to parse than software incomes. But with $38 million in new capital, the company is evidence that, one, the UK startup scene is not kaput, even if Brexit has had a, I don't know, impact on the nation's economic profile. And two, that insurtech is also not dead, despite some insurtech IPOs from yesteryear suffering mightily since their debut. And the fact that Flock has a drone DNA to it, well, that makes it all the more interesting. Moving on towards the end here over the weekend, there was news about more layoffs at Twitter. And this Monday morning, I'm still piecing together exactly what happened. But the news is out that a well-known engineer who went into Elon Musk's new org set up with an upbeat demeanor has been fired. More evidence of the value of modern corporate loyalty as it relates to the people actually doing the work. Now, I don't know what your experience is lately, but Twitter's bugginess for me has continued under its engineer light setup that it kind of works with today. And on iOS, I am now just accustomed to tweets not sending, being forced to repost things, and bits of loading lag that feel new. Things are not great, but also not awful. What's proving interesting in the wake of Twitter firing or shedding most of its staff since Musk bought the social media company partially with expensive debt is not that it quickly shattered. Instead, the social media service appears to be unable to do much of anything else other than just limp along. The list of things that Musk has promised that have yet to materialize is notable, and we're not just referring to the old concept that Twitter would build a content moderation council. Ah, early days. So the lesson from Twitter's aggressive cost weight loss scheme may not be that digital services will decay quickly to complete failure if you fire most people, but instead that the cost of keeping a digital service functional and making regular advances in product terms and keeping customers happy all at the same time really does take a village. 
And that is our show. This is my first solo Monday back, so I hope that it was up to our quality standard. I still have the tail end of a head cold, so if you hear anything weird, well, that's my nose. Anyways, don't forget, you can use the code equity to save money on TechCrunch Plus and on early stage tickets. We're going to Boston in April to host that. I will be there. Come hang out. We can high five or elbow bump or whatever you're into. Equity is back on Wednesday and Friday, and this Wednesday, a special treat as our own Marianne will be in the hosting chair. And finally, don't forget, you can follow equity on twitter where we tweet under the handle equity pod or you can follow me where i tweet under the handle alex because that's my name all right we'll talk to you soon hugs bye equity mondays are hosted by myself editor-in-chief of TechCrunch plus alex wilhelm we're produced by Teresa Loconsolo with editing by kel keller bryce durbin is our illustrator Alyssa stringer leads audience development and henry pickovet manages TechCrunch audio products thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week